0: Myron Metcalf, it is Selection Sunday, and you tweeted this earlier today. 12,000 words on the NCAA tournament field submitted, and you all better love it or at least pretend like you do. Now, Myron, as someone who writes for a living as well, I can certainly relate to that second sentiment, but what I'm really wondering is, for you, someone like you, 12,000 words on this NCAA tournament field what is Selection Sunday like for you? I mean, is this like Christmas day? Is it like tax day where you got to like dig in? What is today (laughs) like for you? Scary (laughs) because you do all that work and you're like the file,
1: you know, that ESPN puts up there at the top of the page for people filling out brackets. So you just hope against the big mistake. I mean, the little mistakes don't worry me at this point in my career. Like if I like, Say someone you know hit forty nine percent of their threes versus thirty nine or something like that, but uh, you don't want the big mistake and get that email from someone that's like, "Hey, you messed this up." So, I mean, it, it's it's cool to see it, but it's also like, I need at least twenty four hours to make sure that I'm really good, and then I can kind of relax and rest and everything else. Honestly, from this point, is easy, but Selection Sunday uh, is always just sort of uh, gives me a little bit of a paranoia. I would say.
0: Now, Myron, my Emory Eagles have already been knocked out of the Division Three tournament in a you know first-round <laughs> loss to a juggernaut from Hampton, Sydney. So I've decided that, you know, this year I'm really going to dig in on the D1 bracket. And I was reading today about the odds of picking a perfect bracket. And, you know, according to the NCAA, if you're picking randomly, the odds are one in 9.2 quintillion, which I, I did not know. I don't know if you know, Myron, but a quintillion is a billion, billion. Mm. But then I also read that if you actually know something about college basketball, the NCAA says that those odds of picking a perfect bracket actually drop dramatically to only about one in 120 billion. So I feel like, you know, there's a chance. There's a chance. But as someone who knows more than a little about college basketball, Myron, what I'm wondering is, how confident are you that you can help me become the first person in history to pick that perfect bracket? I
1: have zero confidence. <laughs> um, you, sh- you should you should take my advice and do the opposite. I mean, I did the best in terms of the brackets for me in college. Like, I finished in a Yahoo bracket once, like, 192nd out of... Uh, a million or 1.3 million, whatever it was. That's amazing. I haven't done that well since. But I haven't done that well since, so I don't know. It's like, I actually think being a quote-unquote ex, quote expert hurts you because you don't take the risk that you should. And the people who aren't invested, they do take those risks. You know, they, they don't care about picking against Alabama or Houston or Purdue or, or something like that. Whereas if you know the sport, you know, you, you get caught in the weeds a little bit. So, in terms of picking a bracket, I'd rather be someone who didn't know than someone who knew too much.
0: As the sports calendar flips to March, one task goes right to the top of our to-do lists. It becomes the number one priority, filling out a bracket for the NCAA tournament. So today, Myron Metcalf takes us across the field He tells us about the contenders, the pretenders, the underdogs, the cinderellas, and everything else we need to know about the madness. I'm Sam Borden, in for Pablo Torre. It's Monday, March 13th, and this is ESPN Daily.
2: That's code DAILY. Visit VividSeats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats. Experience it live.
0: All right, Myron. So Alabama captured its first number one overall seat in program history. They're the number one seat in the South. But there's this massive story hanging over the program, the tragic shooting death of 23-year-old Jamia Harris. And this is a really important story, and we're going to do a lot on it and how Alabama star player Brandon Miller's potential involvement relates to this situation. We're going to do a whole show on that later this week. For the moment, though, let's think about it in basketball terms. Brandon Miller is going to play in this tournament. What do we need to know about how difficult of a tournament this will be for him and this team given what's gone on off the court? Yeah, it's a it's a situation that I don't know that I've ever covered. You know, where, where you have this uh,
1: criminal proceeding with the former teammate Brandon Miller's name attached to it, although he was not charged, has not been suspended. Um, I mean, Brandon Miller is the most difficult matchup in America, I think, after Zach Eady. He's just at that size, six foot nine. The way he can shoot, I mean, he could go and play for the Knicks tonight, and he'd be okay. So um, it's going to be interesting. How does a how does a freshman with all of that weight handle this situation? And I think it's a real thing uh, because that's your leader. And freshmen who don't have to deal with any off-court drama have struggled in the, in the NCAA tournament. Again, when people say one-and-done error, who are the one-and-done teams or the one-and-done lead teams that made a run to the national championship? 2015 Duke, uh, Tyus Jones, Jaleel Okafor, Justice Winslow, when they beat Wisconsin in that title game, 2012, which had a guy named Anthony Davis, who might be a future Hall of Famer. So other than that, you just haven't seen it. So you add that extra layer of off-court challenges to Brandon Miller and what he already has to think about. And remember, uh, the, the schools can control media up until this point. But, but once you go to the NCAA tournament, you have to let reporters in. We get to ask whatever we want. That's going to be a different level of scrutiny for Brandon Miller compared to what he's faced so far. And that could be a lot. So, so I do think the off-court stuff matters in terms of how you view Alabama steel.
0: No, I think there's no question. And you're right. I mean, the the program and Miller are going to face more questions than they've certainly faced in the last month or so. You know, what do you think about how a kid like Brandon Miller will handle that. I mean, he was pretty loose in the SEC tournament, you know?
1: Um, I think this is a different thing. Like, I think they can still make a run to the Final Four. I mean, they're that good, and he's that good. But I think as they continue to advance, I think that's where you wonder the emotional impact on a guy who says he's completely innocent, had no idea what Darius Miles was up to, and, and just kind of got caught up in a bad situation. Um, but the scrutiny's not going to end. So I think their potential is Final Four and to come out of that region. San Diego State's tough, though. Matt Bradley, the way he shoots uh, the three, if they can get past Charleston, which is tough. You know, Maryland uh, hasn't been a good road team, but at home they've been buried in. Virginia's always sturdy. Creighton, to me, if you get past their stumble early in the season, they've been playing like an elite team. They have that quality, and I think Baylor is one of the tougher three seeds I've ever seen. And oh, by the way, Arizona's waiting there as well. So there are no guarantees for this Alabama team, especially with everything else that's going on.
0: All right, Myron, that's the South. Let's go to the Midwest region. You were covering the AAC title game for us earlier on Sunday where Houston got upset by Penny Hardaway and the Memphis Tigers, but Houston still gets that number one seed in the Midwest. What did you see from the Cougars in this game and what does their performance tell us about what they might do over the next couple of weeks? You know, Kelvin Samson told me he's having a lot of fun with this group. They, they've got some young
1: guys to go along with you know, Marcus Sasser. I, I think they're loose. I think they're the, the kind of team where they're not going to be intimidated by much. And I think they're just ready for whatever, you know, ready, ready for whatever comes at them. And the, the Marcus Sasser thing, though, that can't be overlooked because we just don't, Know enough. I mean, I, I watched him today. Uh, it, it looked like maybe he could go. He, he could go and play, but um, until we know for sure, they're clearly a different team if he's not good to go. We saw that in, in their game against Memphis in the AAC championship game. They, they have other pieces, um, but they don't have a Marcus Sasser if he can't go. So I think healthy Houston can win a national championship, but Marcus Sasser also has an injury that is difficult to sort of figure out at this stage. Will he re it? How hard do they push him? Those are all questions they're going to have to figure out.
0: It's, it seems amazing to me. I mean, Kelvin Sampson's still doing it. You know, he's an interesting character. When you talk to him uh, either before this game or just over the course of the season, what does he say about this team? And he's just said he's not putting as much pressure on them. And I've heard that from players as well. Like, he's just trying to
1: be more positive and upbeat. Uh, but the big question with Kelvin Sampson, Friday morning, you find out that his twin sister, Karen Sampson, had passed away. So he coached the AAC tournament knowing that he'd lost someone very close to him. Uh, he called Karen Sampson his biggest fan. Uh, his wife is also named Karen, uh, but his twin sister in North Carolina, was a pharmacist, passed away. And that's another element of this. You know, a lot of people talk about Marcus Sasser, but Kelvin Sampson just received some of the most devastating news of his entire life and career. You add that on top of Houston and history, getting to the Final Four, I, I guess I just wonder if this is one of those situations where is it all too much? Like, no matter how experienced you are, no matter how strong you are, and I think Houston can beat anybody in America, is, is, is this just too much for any team to kind of handle? We're going to find out.
0: Myron, obviously the Final Four is in Houston this year. What are the chances that the Cougars are playing in those games in their home city? Yeah, I think it's strong. I mean, I think Marcus Sass will be okay, man.
1: I saw him, and it sounded like he wanted to go. He warmed up. Uh, it's not a knee injury or something, so I think they can get there. They're just so good top to bottom. Defensively, they're so tough. And just the way that they attack. Um, But I also think that region isn't wanting to be overlooked. Iowa and Chris Murray, what he's been able to do, when they get hot, they can be tough. Miami's got some injury issues, so I don't know how much of a threat that is. But Indiana and Trace Jackson Davis, when he's on, they've been able to compete with anybody in in America. Iowa State has had their moment. Not on the road, but when they put it together, they can be really good. And I think Colby Jones and Xavier, That's a team that, to me, uh, I won't be shocked if they find a way to get there just because I think they can be that good. And Texas A&M was right there. Beat Alabama is the kind of team where you go, okay, I think they can compete with the top tier. And then you have a Texas team that's trying to get Rodney Terry to be the permanent head coach after everything he's done. So I don't think that's... A region where you look at it and go, Houston's going
0: to play at Houston. They have a lot of obstacles ahead. All right, Myron, after the break, I want you to fill us in on what we should expect from the East and West regions.
2: Shopping for Mother's Day is usually a challenge because you people wait until the last minute but Macy's gift finder makes it incredibly fast and easy to find the right gift just in time for mother's day. Whether you're shopping for your sister's first one or for your fashionista mom who likes to make a statement, Macy's gift finder has so many great gift ideas that you can easily pick out something special to celebrate with them. Both. You can shop by price anywhere from 25 bucks and under to say hundred bucks and below. You can also sort by category like fragrance, handbags, and more. Or gift lists, like for the mom who has everything. Or even pre-wrapped gifts for grandma. Find top brands like Studio Pro Model Beats headphones, Polaroid cameras, and Samsung Smart TVs. So, what are you waiting for? Mother's Day is May 12th and it'll be here before you know it. Macy's has the perfect gift guide to make picking something for mom easy this year. Head to Macy's.com slash gift finder today. That's Macy's.com slash gift finder.
0: All right, Myron. We've got to talk about Kansas. After last season, they had that big comeback in the title game. But there was some thought that this year, the Jayhawks would probably take a step back, right? But here they are, the number one seed in the West, and they'll be getting their head coach, Bill Self, back after his hospital stay during the conference tournament. What makes this Kansas team so strong? Well, Jalen Wilson was challenged before the season to play like an All-American by Bill
1: Stealth. And he's shown up. He's done exactly that. And, and I think he, he's just kind of lived up to expectations. He was a star uh, in that title game. People forget, maybe, in the national title game last year, he was a very important player. Yes. He was arguably their best player in the second half. And he's just kind of taken that, and, and he's built on that momentum to become a very, very good player. Grady Ducks, a future first-round pick. Uh, He'll be in the draft this summer. Uh, The freshman, McDonald's All-American. It's one of those teams where your leader is a guy who's won it all, you know? So he's not rattled by the moment. You have a head coach who just won his 17th Big 12 championship. And uh, I think all of those ingredients give you a certain level of confidence coming into a year like this. But Kansas lost so much, and still they are here which is why Bill Self should be in the National Coach of the Year conversation as well. He won't win it, but he should be in that conversation.
0: Yeah, and it's remarkable. I mean, you wrote about it in your piece on ESPN.com. I mean, their resume, they got wins over Duke, Texas, Baylor, Indiana, Kansas State, Kentucky. I mean, they've done it. They've they've done it. They've showed it. How big a factor is self-situation in your opinion? I mean, is this a scenario where it's really going to be sort of minute to minute in terms of how his health affects what he's able to do in terms of coaching the team? It's like up to his doctors, right? Like, I know he's going to come back to the team, but I don't know what that means.
1: I think it's going to come down to, is Bill Self allowed to be himself in this pressurized environment of the NCAA tournament after undergoing a heart-related procedure? I didn't go to med school, but I think that's the question to ask. So... If he's allowed and he's okay to just be himself, yeah, that that makes sense as to why everyone would say this is going to be the same Kansas. If there's anything that changes that, uh, I, I think we have to have questions about what that means. Norm Roberts has been a great assistant under Bill Self, and, and he knows what he's doing. He's been a head coach. But not having full Bill Self, uh, that's going to be the biggest
0: question for that Jayhawks team. So, Myron, if the Jayhawks don't make it back to the Final Four for whatever reason, who should we be looking at to come out of that Midwest bracket? I think the UConn hype is real. Adama Sinogo and just everything they have, their guard
1: play. At at their peak, I think UConn can play with anybody in America. I did a rating system for my 68-team preview that's on ESPN.com. I I put them in the five-star category because I think they can play at that level. Um, And the metrics say they're at that level. So, uh, UConn could be tough. Uh, they got to get past Iona, Rick Pitino. I think they will, but I think UConn would be the team potentially come out of there. A lot of people are high on Gonzaga. This is not that Gonzaga to me. Uh, they've lost a lot of NBA talent the last couple of years. No Chet Holmgren kind of player, no Jalen Sons, Rui Hachimura, Brandon Clark, guys like that. They don't have that this year. I think that's why Gonzaga has taken a step back. Still a really good team, but not the elite talent they've had in past years. And even with that talent, uh, it hasn't been easy to make some of the runs that they've been on. But I think UCLA is the X factor. Losing Jalen Clark, Defensive Player of the Year in the Pac-12, just means so much, puts more pressure on Jaime Hackev's. And I think healthy UCLA uh, can compete
0: with anybody in the field. Shorthanded UCLA, uh, it's going to be tough. All right, let's finish up the number one seeds. We got Purdue in the east. The Boilermakers, they beat Penn State in the Big Ten tournament on Sunday. Zach Eady, arguably the most dominant college player this year. What would you say is Purdue's biggest concern as they go into the tournament? Uh, can their guard
1: play handle the load? I mean, the, the challenge with Zach Eady is every coach in America in the East region that might have a chance to face them, they're going to do the same thing that always happens to Purdue. They're going to double Zach Eady. They're going to try to take him out of the game, and they're going to try to force Purdue to get other guys to beat him. And they could run into a team that is as good at that as anybody in America, in Memphis, uh, in the second round. But do they have the guard play to, to be able to support Zach Eady, or do they become more of a one-dimensional team where, we saw that against their against Indiana, their rival, those two losses to Indiana in the regular season, where uh, Indiana made them more one dimensional, and they couldn't really handle that. So that'll be the biggest question uh, for Purdue. We know how good Zach Eady is. Will other
0: guys rise to the occasion? Now, Myron, here's my problem as I look at the East, and I think you know a lot of sort of casual fans like me might run into this. I'm looking at this East region, and I'm seeing all these big teams that I normally am like, oh, yeah, these are Final Four teams. We got Duke, we got Kentucky, we got Michigan State, but they're kind of lower-seeded this year. Duke's at five, Kentucky's at six, Michigan State at seven. It feels like there's a lot of star power in this region, but who do you think actually has a chance to knock off Purdue? You know, I pick Memphis right now out of all those things you just mentioned just because what Memphis can do is they can
1: speed up the game. I mean, that's what they did against Houston, in the American Tournament Championship game. That's what they've been doing to everybody. Kendrick Davis, he's the fastest player I've seen live since John Wall. So that's gonna be a dangerous team. Duke has got a lot better. They dealt with injuries. Jeremy Roach was hurt. Uh, Derek Ligle was hurt. Derek Whitehead was hurt. Now that they got healthy, they're playing as well as anybody. So I don't think anyone can overlook Duke in John Shire's first year. The Kai Ziegler in Tennessee, that's a big loss, even though they're still a really good defensive team. I don't know how they score consistently. And Kentucky has just been so up and down. I think that's been the biggest challenge for them, which Kentucky will show up. And now they have some injuries. But the talent is there, I think, to beat Purdue, especially with Oscar Shebae, the reigning Wooden award winner, being a guy that can match up against Zach Eady. Kansas State beat Kansas. If you can beat Kansas, you can beat anybody in America. They've done that. But to your point, the Michigan State, this isn't one of the time is those better teams. The USC has been kind of hot and cold. Um, you you don't have that dominant Duke or dominant Tennessee or Kentucky in the East. It's, it's brand power, but the manpower might not be there. But watch out for Marquette and Shaka Smart. Big East champs, uh, a lot of people have over- overlooked them. But right now, I-, I think they're playing at a one seed level in the last
2: couple of months.
0: All right, Myron. So as I mentioned at the top, you know, I went to Emory in Atlanta, just down the road from Kennesaw State. So as soon as I saw Kennesaw State, Amir Rahim, his team in this bracket, I'm in on them. Yeah. They're, my, they're my Cinderella's. They're my underdogs. But who do you like as an underdog that people who are filling out their brackets might look at as someone who can make a run?
1: Well, you picked a good one. Um, Grand Canyon, I know everybody's talking about Gonzaga, and everyone's sort of making it seem like a sort of a foregone conclusion that uh, Gonzaga's going to make this run. And, and you know, they, they could. I think it's possible. But I know Mark Few, and I guarantee Mark Few, Mark Few's message is these guys are tough. Bryce Drew, like Grand Canyon, this is the third team he's taken to the NCAA tournament. He took Valpole where he played. He hit the infamous shot in 1998 against Ole Miss. right. Uh, Then he led Vanderbilt to the NCAA tournament. And now he's taking Grand Canyon And and this Grand Canyon team is fascinating. They shoot a lot of threes. Uh, Almost 41% of their shots are three-point attempts. And they make a lot of threes. They've made 38%. Sometimes you'll see high-volume three-point shooting teams, but they're not very good at making them. They just figure if we shoot a bunch of them, things will work out in our favor. That's not Grand Canyon. I mean, they really let it fly. And once that happens, they're just kind of tough to deal with. Gonzaga is sort of this sexy pick to make it out of that region. But I guarantee you, on film, uh, uh, a Grand Canyon team that's lost one game since Valentine's Day, I believe, making their threes, they're going to be tough.
0: Myron, you did, as we talked about, 12,000 words on March Madness and this bracket. But can I ask you to just boil it down to this? Who's going to win?
1: That's a good question. I will go with the team that I think has been the most consistent. They have veterans, and that's the same formula that Villanova and Baylor and Kansas last year, North Carolina before them. Again, one and done teams don't win national championships. That's a lot. So if that's the case, I'm gonna go with the experienced group. I'm gonna sue Marcus and healthy and I'm picking Houston to win it all. In Houston, which will be a remarkable story, it's going to be hard to rattle that group after everything they've experienced. I expect Houston to
0: cut down the nets. Just like uh, Tom Brady and the Bucks winning the Super Bowl in their home stadium, you think Houston's going to get it done in their home city. Myra Metcalf, 12,000 words written <laughs> and some time for us, too. I really appreciate the insight.
1: Thanks, you all, for having me, as always.
0: I'm Sam Borden, and this has been ESPN Daily. I'll talk to you tomorrow.